You are listening to When Therapists Watch TV, where we discuss today's buzzworthy TV shows and what they can teach us about ourselves, our relationships, and the world around us. I'm your host, Dr. Terry Bly, licensed clinical psychologist at Ellie Mental Health. In season two of Ted Lasso, we are introduced to the concept of the yips. Danny Rojas comes down with a case of the yips, and that, that's what leads them to bring in Dr. Sharon. So I wanted to talk about the yips. What are the yips? We are obviously going to say it out loud here, even though they don't like to do that on the show. Um, but I wanted to know, like, what, what causes that? Is that the same as choking? Is that what happened to Simone Biles at the Olympics? Um, and what do you do if you get the yips? Is that something that's fixable? I also wanted to take a look at coaching styles. Obviously, what Ted brings is, you know, the people react to him and his coaching style like it's a little different than the norm. So is it different than the norm? Is this something that, that works? Uh, or how does it compare to the more, you know, severe kind of stereotypical professional mm. ball coach who is angry and, you know, yelling at his players? So that's what I want to talk about today. And to help me with that, I brought in two uh, sportsy, therapisty type guys who've That's done a us. lot of work with sports <laughs> psychology and so they're going to be here to help me understand all of this better. So uh, my first guest is Ali Kanan. Ali, please uh, remind me of your degree and a little bit about yeah. your background. So I am currently a therapist at Ellie Mental Health. I am technically called a licensed professional clinical counselor. So. Um, I went to school at Ball State, got my graduate degree there in uh, sports psychology and counseling. And so this, this, uh, this particular season, I was really excited to actually spend time watching it, um, Ted Lasso's second season, because it really brought in the, the really important element of, of sports that um, tends to go unnoticed, the, the mental health element. Um, and so we saw that instantly when the, when the um, the season began with, you know, Sharon Fieldstein, the, the, the psychologist that they um, hired on. So it's really, I'm really glad to be here to be talking about Excellent. a really important topic. And Thanks. To I'm be a so part excited of it to, here with you guys. Yeah. to be talking about this. Yeah. And then I'm bringing back. Yep, I'm back. Scott Cronenbush. Couldn't get enough. I'm back. <laughs> uh, Cronenbush? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Please tell me, I got it right this time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Scott, remind us of your. Yeah background. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so include Cronenbush, the sports right? psychology stuff. Yep. Right Great. So I've been at Ellie for four years. I'm a, like Ali, I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor uh, before Ellie. So I'm a kind of a, been around the gauntlet in the psychology world, right? So I spent some time doing sports psych uh, before coming to Ellie, spent some time with uh, program development before coming to Ellie. Uh, and then I'm also a coach, right? And so mm -hmm. I think I really appreciate not just the show, but all the topics mm -hmm. and I think watching it from the therapist lens is real for all of us. Certainly yeah, that's why we're totally. here, um, but I can appreciate it from all those angles. Uh, absolutely. So. Well, great. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so excited that I'm, I'm genuinely not just as a therapist, but also as a, as a person, yeah. I'm really excited to learn more about yeah. this. Cause as I was mentioning to you guys earlier, I think maybe I have, I get something that's related mm -hmm. to the yips. So first mm -hmm. I was wondering if you guys could tell me what, <laughs> Where does that term come from? I don't even know what the, the yips stand for mm -hmm. something. I know literally nothing about that topic. So yeah. um, what can you guys tell me about the yips, the history of that? Sure. Yeah. Of that you want to start? Concept, yeah. Sure. Uh, so I'm, I, I spend a little time in the yips world, mm -hmm. uh, again, in the sports psychology lens, 
almost two decades ago, right? In fact, two decades ago, right? Uh, but um, thinking back or drawing upon some of the research that I participated in, mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of different ways to look at the yips. And so basically what we're focusing on is when we look at sports, it's actually fine motor activity, mm -hmm. right? So writing, uh, in, uh, musicians experience the phenomenon, athlete, athletes, absolutely, and that's why we're here today. But basically, there's a couple of different contexts with the EFs, right? So there's this concept called the dystonia, which is sort of a neurological experience um, that plays in the brain centers that are responsible for what's called a voluntary movement. So mm -hmm. I want to throw something or I want to write something. I'm voluntarily doing that, right? Dystonia is where there's uh, a, ref a response that's involuntary that impedes upon doing that activity. Right. So now we're talking about golf. Golf mm -hmm. is where Yips sort of got named. Okay. Right. right. And right, that's right. Ali might say more about that. But and the reason is that's because it tends to be the age range of 40 to 60, mm -hmm. where we're, maybe our athletic prowess is getting tested a little Everything bit. Everything seems right? to fall right. apart. And, 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 and we can go to golf. Right. Mm -hmm. Golf is a sport we all like. So that's sort of where it was recognized the most and where there's been the most research and attention. But it certainly shows up in all sports. Um, so that's one facet of it is could be like a neurological experience. It could yep. be something we just don't know, right? It could be concussions. It could be from like substance. It could just be something we genetically inherited mm -hmm. that shows mm -hmm. up, okay? Then the play is what's the psychology that goes with right. it, right? So like performance anxiety and those kinds of things. And they can be treated differently. So I heard you kind of shake out here, Terry, and you're kind of fishing a little bit, which is great for conversations. Mm. Like how do you, how do you fix it, right? Because that's yeah. the million yeah. dollar question, right? Like, so how do you, are you I saying there, 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 there's, the, so yeah. there's, so there's kind of sports anxiety or performance yeah, anxiety, sure. and there's like the neurological piece, and they're not necessarily related. They, they can and or can't be, right? Okay. So one could be, it's not, hey, it's I, don't not feel, a given. I don't feel stressed, but for some reason, this happens to okay. me, right? And that kind yeah. of, yeah. It's like a post-response. Like you start to develop yeah, a sense sure. of anxiety about, yeah. I don't know what's happening to my body. Oh, so then you get uh, anxious. You're seeing right. what's, you see yeah. that something's not yeah. working. Your body's doing stuff mm -hmm. that you're not telling it to do. And right. then you get anxious. Right. And now those things start to right. maybe become like a vicious cycle or right. kind of snowball from there. Right. And so like if you think about it, if it's like a dystonia, again, that's an involuntary mm -hmm. interruption to something voluntary. So if I'm kicking a ball, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm maybe not nervous, but for some reason it keeps going to the left, right? Yeah. There's maybe something happening there. So the traditional method would be let's work on technique, and work with whatever it is that's going on that we don't even know, maybe, right? right. But let's just regrip, let's re-hold our instrument or whatever, let's tweak it, right? Then the stress part of it is, you know, let's do some visualization, let's do some self-talk, you know. So okay. those two houses can live separate or together, right? It could be all of the above right. as well. So. All right. Yeah. It's so, and follow-up question. You said that you were in a study a long time ago mm -hmm. at the Mayo, mm -hmm. and it was you said it was about the yips. Yeah. What was it looking at? Yeah. So, mm. okay. The curiosity was, and I got to be careful. I can't overshare. Um, but um, golf world was talking with our sports psychology team there mm -hmm. about running research to try and understand it better, and then thus training would come from it. Okay. Right. So of the practicality model, of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. It was sort of like let's. Let's analyze heart rate. Let's let's look at grip of the yeah. the putter. Let's mm -hmm. look at all the things happening. Let's look at their eyes, how much they blink. Like let's okay. just find everything, and find indicators for is it a dystonia or are they stressed? Right. right. Okay. And so let's try and find that. Right. And it's longitudinal. Right. I mean, the Yip study. Some of those that started way back then are absolutely still really going. Right. Still it's part just the of pool it. of research. Because wow. there is this mystery. Right. There's, of, there's yeah. a lot of unknowns. Yeah. For is sure. the who gets it? Mm -hmm. Where is it coming from? Yeah. And then how does it bleed into all walks of life, right? It could be performance. I know 
theater and stuff's part of the history, yeah. right? It's, yeah. It fits in there too. Oh, yeah. We just don't call it yet, right? right. You know, finding my mark and hitting yeah. the note, right? And preparing. Yeah, remembering your lines yeah. and all yeah. that. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, I'll, I'll, I'll ask it's this question. It's a little question. scary to actually think about yeah. being a 40 year old and having done like a repetitive, yeah. like automatic, really natural movement that you've yeah. learned over the years and like out of nowhere, you feel kind of like, despairing and yeah. your body's just you're, you're so you lost with was like what is it that's happening yeah. that I can't yeah. do and so it can really leave an athlete feeling kind of um, alone in that experience yeah, and sure. they might try to overcompensate yeah. they might try to mm -hmm. try harder to outthink themselves and that can really actually become a distraction mm -hmm. um, and so there's a there's a sense of um, you know wanting to to not lose that identity part of you too right yeah. so you know, with golf, we've seen a lot of athletes who, who do, professional athletes who do develop the yips. I, I, I don't really know about the term the yips. I, I kind of like more of like a, like something along the lines of like freezing or like getting stuck. I mean, choking is another yeah. term yeah. that, that I mean, gets yeah. used, like mm -hmm. you choke. There's, there's more of a psychological <laughs> component to the, to the, yeah. the choking and has more to do with, you know, trying to be uh, too in your head, you know, right. too inward. Yeah. And, and um, there's certainly other elements um, that come into play, like if I'm someone who typically has the traits anxiety, um, and I haven't performed a skill before, if I'm a novice, um, it can make it more understandable for why someone would choke. Um, so, like, if we're looking at Danny Rojas, so that makes me think that mm -hmm. kind of the way they're using the term in the yeah, show. He's not, he's not really experiencing the yips. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. it's, he's, it's, he's what I'm hearing us. is that, that this is yeah. something different. Mm -hmm. They're calling it the yips, mm -hmm. but obviously for him, it started after this yeah. very bad experience yeah. he had during a game, and suddenly he can't kick yeah. the ball anymore. But that, mm -hmm. what I'm hearing is that is not necessarily right. the right term for the it. Dystonia is, uh, it's not a dystonia, because it didn't come on. Right, it was a post. It came back. on immediately, which is more, like I said, probably more of a trauma response. Right. Which is where we yeah. get in that world of like sports psychology, and granted, yeah. you have a degree in it, right? And I've just dabbled in it, right? So much, but I'm saying like, that's where I get a lot of those questions about what, is, what does a sports psychologist do, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. I think it houses all of it, because in, yeah. in the episodes we can hear, see some, a lot of it's relational kind of, mm -hmm. and she does a lot of great listening, right? Mm -hmm. Then you also have sports psychologists that talk about visualization and walking me through the mm -hmm. exercise and let's actually live in the experience or let's go out on the field and, and do it, right? Or it could be technique, it, it's kind of all encompassing, yeah. right? So I love how it shakes out some of that, let's talk about what you're feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's part of that, yeah. that anxiety piece yeah. too, which can be, we were talking right before we started recording, officially recording. Yeah. It's kind of like that coaching element of even your strongest players, if you, if you harp on them so much about, I'm a hockey guy, right? Yeah. It's like, you got to catch the puck here and it has to leave the zone, right? Even the best skilled player, if you harp on that so much, mm. it can make them sort of that paralysis. Yeah when it's, it's so easy, but it just impacts them in a negative way and it'd be almost like a, a yips response yeah. if we're going okay. to yips. Coaches don't realize how yeah. much they can overload a player mm -hmm. who, who's already naturally good at a, a certain skill that, like you said, performed over and over again. But mm -hmm. in hockey, um, it's a fast-paced sport. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's an element of like, if we go back to the, the point that you made about inviting a sports psychologist and what they do, um, a lot of athletes, if they've never had anyone actually, you know, encourage them to talk about, you know, how their performance anxiety gets in the way of their their day to day life or their actual performance, um, I can see them being hesitant and doubtful and 
unruly, unruly, mm -hmm. um, not bought in yeah. to someone like a sports psychologist. Um, you know, there's a lot of myths or misconceptions about um, what a sports psychologist does. And so what, that's why the psychological skills training comes in. And mm -hmm. it's like, just give me something that will give me a quick fix or um, that will help make me feel like there's a magic gimmick out there that will answer well, the question to the ifs. And, and I think it speaks so much to the importance of the coach in this scenario. Exactly. I mean, first you need a coach who's willing to bring in a sports psychologist. Danny bought in right away. The coach yeah. was like, just go see the yeah, just psychologist. And he did. I mean, he was apprehensive. Ted had to be yeah. talked into it. But yeah. the fact that, I mean, if he hadn't brought Dr. Sharon in, Danny may never have actually totally. been able to get to the other side of that. Mm -hmm. And I was just I was telling you guys that it was, I was going to maybe bring up my own history because mm -hmm. I think that's part of what fascinates me about this. And when I was in high school, I played volleyball and I was, yeah. you know, that high potential and I was doing Junior Olympics and I was starting to get, I think it was at Junior Olympics when I started to, yeah. so we were with this tournament in Chicago and it was this big deal and it was a big game against another team anyway. And uh -huh. I just started to tank. And mm -hmm. what my coach did was bench me. Yeah. Never talked to me about it, never said, like, here's what's going on, just benched me. Mm -hmm. And then when we got back here, got back back home, um, it was that, like, it was that constant, like, nobody ever helped me understand what was going on. It was just, you're going to get benched. And I would get so frustrated with myself on the court, mm -hmm. that would make it worse. And then I'd get benched. And because I never really had anyone help me understand what was going on or right. how to, like, get out of my own head, it just, like, it kind of spiraled into this, like, mm -hmm. It was awful, so I quit, right? Because yeah. I was not oh, enjoying okay. myself anymore. And and so I'm wondering, like, it, what factors into somebody being, you know, if we were talking about the Neops as a, as a neurological, that's more that kind of 40 to 60, mm -hmm. something's going on there. But for athletes who are still in their prime, teens, 20s, even early 30s, mm -hmm. what's that relationship between, like, kind of personality type, or what are the factors that go into somebody more likely to, to, to choke like Danny did, to get into that place yeah. where like, they're so up in their head that they can't do the thing that they technically know how to do. Yeah, it's like that optimal stress bell mm -hmm. curve, right? Uh, the concept yeah. of you have to have stress to perform. Yeah. And then it comes down to that coaching again is, you know, who's sort of wired that they actually become more calm mm -hmm. the heavier the oh, gravity. Right. Right. And you can find that. Right. Simplistic, and yeah, right? Simplistic yeah. thinking. Small little tiny keys. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I appreciate that example a lot. I think I know that feeling, right? Of just like, you know, that what's happening and that what's uncertainty. Happening and like, so I'm just going to try harder. I just got to like try right. more or I just right. got to do better. Mm -hmm. And I just got to be really mad at myself because mm -hmm. I'm going to just like. Demanding perfection. Yeah, demand yeah. perfection because I need that. And that's what they're telling me mm -hmm. I need to do. Yeah, yeah. We many athletes regardless of what level you are, but especially as you reach higher competitive elite um, status, um, there's high expectations. There, there's an assumption that you're going to continuously perform at a high level and um, you base your sense of self-worth on achievement mm -hmm. and, you know, you need that constant validation, not from the coach, but from yourself. Um, it would be nice to get it from the coach, you know, when, when they actually continue to invest in you and not automatically assume that this is gonna you know you having one slump automatically concludes you know right. i should bench you and so your coach just struggled to have a sense of curiosity i'm sorry you, to, you ended up it's quitting okay. it's unfortunate but, but like i just i i guess what i'm wondering is the arousal piece that, um, yeah the that interaction between the player and the coach yeah. and it's scotty yeah and then bringing in a you know mm -hmm. 
even recommend, I mean, this was what, late 80s? Yeah. Nobody yeah. was recommending therapy for sure. anything. Right. Um, but well, he, well, Ted tried in the show, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he did he, try. He like, I felt like he was really trying to be responsive in a way it and, and, and yeah. be like, it's okay. Yeah. So have you guys ever, like, Ollie, have you done work with, or either of you, with athletes who are struggling with kind of what Danny was going through? Just where uh, they're elite player who suddenly, like, can't do the thing. I have not actually worked with a player who has gone through that. But um, I want to say the point that you made about, like, yeah, I don't know, the arousal piece, you know, that there's an element of how do we help the athlete sit with the discomfort um, that comes with making a mistake or be able to actually turn their attention to what actually be, can be controlled about the task. Um, in this case, the PK or the corner kick. Um, and so part of me wants to say that Ted was secretly a sports psychologist himself. Um, and so, you know, with him trying to like get Danny to uh, normalize his experience and say like that was something that you can have prepared for, um, all of that was aimed at trying to help Danny return to a, a state or uh, reestablish a place where he can actually take in the reality of what's happening, which mm -hmm. is, you know, there's a next play coming. Um, you're going to have another chance sooner than later to correct the experience. and. Um, that didn't really work. It's kind of decatastrophizing it, like putting it in the context. Another, yeah, you can that this was one yeah. thing. But but Danny's personality would suggest that he's he's someone who um, really cares about life, right? Football is life. Yeah. You know, he kept saying that. Um, and so there's this, this element of um, everyone reacts to failures. Um, it's it's like there's a uniqueness to each player. They have different reactions and how long those reactions stay, um, you know, perpetuated or going. Um, keep them going is, is going to be dependent on how they interpret or, you know, make sense of the experience. And, so um, for him, it was that typical, it was, it was the particular way that things went wrong, that it mm -hmm. yeah. know, killed an animal. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's <laughs> an exaggerated. It wasn't losing a game. He'd yeah. been through, like, you know, he'd lost, obviously moment. been able to lose games and be fine, so right. it's not that he had to win or play perfect. It was this particular type mm -hmm. of, yeah. of imperfection yeah, right. yeah. that, like, He's, he's really much. giddy, so maybe he, his anxiety presents as like um, really wild and mm -hmm. um, high-spirited, and so that could be his um, anxiety reversed mm -hmm. if, he, if he has that trait. But um, there's also the element of like, um, you know, they're, they're professionals, so it's expected that they've spent, you know, years and years of acquiring a, a really simple skill like kicking a, a penalty, that's not really easy though. It's a really pressure cook situation. And so I'd be in my head um, about it and- um, Yeah, so that's, that's the question. I want, I want to maybe Scott direct this at you perhaps. You know, I'm thinking, or actually both of you, I'm thinking about perfectionism. Like yeah. to be an elite athlete- Definitely quality, yeah. You, you have to have some level of perfectionism. Like you have mm -hmm. to keep driving yourself, pushing yourself, overcoming pain to, you know, and adversity to make yourself better. And you've got to keep driving yourself. A lot of times, a lot of sports is getting up at five o'clock in the morning. And it's, you know, Culture, even when your friends yeah. are going to a party, you've got a practice or a game. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's got to be such a, a pretty high level of that drive and per perfectionism mm -hmm. to do this. And yet I'm guessing there's either a, a flavor of perfectionism or a point at which the perfectionism actually gets in the way. Like, do, mm. Is there anything that you guys know about that relationship between perfectionism and choking or yeah. 
the yips or whatever. Scott, are you? Yeah. Well, I, I think coaching teams right now, I absolutely just, I think that that's a driver, right? And mm -hmm. we might not call it perfectionism, just, you know, in a team sport, especially I can kind of see it's like living up and doing it for the team, right? Not wanting to let the team down and execution uh, is like, where does failure fit into a successful story in the narrative, right? That kind of thing. But I, I agree with you because your bigger question is to be in sport or performance arts, you name it, or a writer, mm -hmm. there's a drive to do something special, right? Or to be part yeah. of something, right? Yeah. And individuals. And to rise above. Yeah, or to rise above. Fantastic. The masses of people who are also doing exactly. that thing. Exactly, right? Yeah. And at any given minute, you know, I, you know, I always joke with my team like, hey, there's two good teams here today for this competition. We should expect both teams are going to score. Mm. Right? Like, Let's just get that in our head right now, right? Like failure is part right. of our successful story, right? right? A part of our journey. Yeah. Because to your point, I think you're hitting on is something drives us to sort of perform. And that might be that perfection. We call it perfection, but maybe it's called something else. But this to be part of something, right? Mm -hmm. And to succeed and overcome. To succeed, yeah. yeah right? To keep pushing Progress, ourselves to move succeed. Forward and yeah. Make, make progress. But yeah. then you have the high competitive. So, like, then what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. Right. And when I, does it get in the way? That same thing yeah. that was maybe key to your success, mm -hmm. when does it turn against you? Yeah. And I think the coach plays into that. Okay. You know, I spend a lot of time, you know, I feel really good about the coaching side of it and my experience as a player and presently spending the last couple of years doing a lot of connections with coaches for mentorship. So I'm seeing all the different angles, mm -hmm. right? Different levels, right? And I think one of the appreciations I have here is stuff that's shaking itself out of. It's not about I think the best coaches that I'm seeing when it comes yeah. to yips and stress response is those who understand that it's not about what they feel, it's about what the player mm. feels. And that's what was missing in your example, yeah. right? Yeah. Is yeah. Where's the connection of, even if it was to protect you and kind of pull you out, if you yeah. didn't know. It felt very punitive. Yeah, you didn't know, it and it could have been, right? Yeah, it felt like yeah, you were, you. you're bringing the team down right. with your, mm -hmm. you know, your attitude mm -hmm. and you're messing up, so we're yeah. just right. benching you. Yep. It felt very punitive. Right. And there's, I think there's a, in the sports psych, and I, I've certainly seen it, maybe you so can speak to it, is I've seen the shift in the coaching mm -hmm. for sure, because mm -hmm. people just, we, we have to attend to people a little differently now. And I think coaches, right or wrong, that's just the thing, coach the way they were coached, just like people maybe parent the way they were parented. Yeah. And we think about the 80s and even the 90s, and I think about you know college and experiences myself, I'm like, yeah, I could absolutely see the hard-nosed coach side of it. But the nuance that I see in sport at the highest levels especially are an understanding and appreciation that it's not about what the coach want, feels, it's more about what the player feels. And then as a group, that uniformity helps get to that perfection execution. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the worst coaches are, you know, maybe on the screaming side of it, let's just go with that example, okay. are maybe trying, they're feeling a pressure to make all their teams good at everything, but the identity doesn't allow that. Right? So I could never be in the Super Bowl the other night when the guy was going to kick a chip shot field goal. My legs would have turned to spaghetti. Yeah. You know, I, I think just about that every time I see yeah. those right. like high stakes, mm -hmm. single motion yeah. <laughs> right. Right. things, I think, oh, hell no. Right. Like, so I, I mean, never, it's that, yeah, exactly. never do that. So it's that part performance. Mm -hmm. We're drawn to it because there's something mm -hmm. about like execution and succeeding, yeah. perfection, getting there. Um, and then when it falls off is wanting to do all of it, be great at all of it, not mm -hmm. tolerate challenges or stress, then the vulnerability 
you know, yeah. screaming and laughing. Especially if you don't so talk about it. So maybe it's how you yeah. understand yeah. your mistakes. Yeah, for how sure. You, so it's just like trauma. It's sure. how you come to understand the bad mm -hmm. things that happen to mm -hmm. you that kind of makes mm -hmm. yeah. or breaks yeah. what be happens goldfish. next. Be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. And being able to be well, like, And you just, talked about it earlier. He said control oh. the controllables. Sorry. No, that's okay. So being a goldfish can be really hard for some people. Oh, yeah. But yeah, sorry, what were you saying? No, I think it goes right with that, right? Just control the controllables. Like, I have to move goldfish. I have to go to the next thing, right? And I'm good with that. Like, here we go. So, yeah. I think when we think of control the controllables, we think, well, I'm in control of my body. Yeah. So I'm in control of mm -hmm. yeah. what I do when the ball comes my mm -hmm. way. So I just need to control it better. But I mm -hmm. think for someone like me, mm -hmm. um, it, the opposite happens. Mm -hmm. and I, like I was telling you guys, I just started playing pickleball. Like, I mean, it's a rule. If you're over 45, you, it's, it's a rule now. You have to play <laughs> mm -hmm. pickleball um, or they just kick you out of middle age. Um, and so I started playing. I took one lesson. It was going really well. Like my husband and I were like asked to volunteer to like demonstrate stuff. So I was feeling real good about yeah, myself. Yeah. I was like, I got this. So I go to an open pickleball at the, at the local gym, and the guy I'm playing with is super competitive. Like he's there every day, and he's like whatever. Expert. And so I start playing, and I make a mistake, and he immediately starts coaching me. Oh, you got to do this. Oh, you got to hold it this way. Oh, you got to step into this. Mm -hmm. And the more he mm -hmm. was doing that, the more right. I was just. Because I was like, I just got to control. I'm, I'm missing the ball entirely. Okay, I just got to control this. I just got to like yeah, yeah, yeah. calm myself down. And get. And the more I tried to do that, the worse it got. And yep. then the more he was coaching me and the, the worse I got. And I didn't know how to get myself out of that. And it was the weirdest thing because I'm like, this is freaking pickleball. Mm -hmm. And I'm back into those same dynamics. Mm -hmm. It's like I was 15 again playing volleyball mm -hmm. Soon, yeah. with a coach threatening to bench me. Like it was the weirdest. It was kind of surreal of right. like, yeah. bam. Right. Being right back at that, mm -hmm. and and when I was listening to you yeah. guys talk about like the way the coach handles it, or like when they get you so up in your head because mm -hmm. they're just like right. hitting you with all these different mm -hmm. things that it's too much, mm -hmm. and the athlete gets overwhelmed. They yeah. like can't, and that's yep. exactly what happened. Yeah. So it's fascinating yeah. to me that this is just mm -hmm. this thing that we don't really. I don't know. I feel like it should get talked about. Yeah, <laughs> we right. just it happens about in, to in, more. It happens with my clients too when sure. I'm coaching yeah. them and yeah. I, I get in my head about like, am I overwhelming them with yeah, their totally. working memories right. is, is just like mm -hmm. taxed out. Right. And, um, and so they have to try harder. And if they try harder, if it's a novice skill, you know, I'm talking about like movements that are extremely complex, like pickleball, maybe. It's not. That's what made it so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, not complex. It's, yeah, right. and it's so the, really straightforward. So that's not necessarily your fault. It's just your, your brain's way of trying to make up for the, that difference of, of not being able to actually respond to the demands of, of the situation you're in. Or the, my the brain trying to like yeah. will me into playing better even right. though it right. literally never backfires. works. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with Simone Biles, oh, yeah, you know, we saw a very public yeah. example of yeah. something mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the Olympics, so that's stressful. Yeah. But then she was describing as like suddenly just her sense of direction just left her. Um, but something happened there. So in your, like, I'm not asking you guys to, to diagnose, right. but from what you saw or heard of that, assuming you, you heard about that at all, is that the yips? Is that more of a, a psychological thing? Like, or is it a combination of both? Sure. Like, what happened there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's, she's on a, a national or international, like, um, podium, right? And um, the, the demands of the, the position that she's in are extremely high, and she's has a history of success performing those really, um, I don't know what you want to call them. I don't, I don't know the exact terms with, with gymnastics, but 
Um, I she was take killing it. it. She's killing it. <laughs> like she always has. Um, and so, you know, to have her have make one mistake that um, seemingly like plagued her career um, has more to do with, you know, the kind of, like you said, the pressure that we put on these, these really high elite athletes. Um, they call it the twisties. Like there's that's, a that's name for it. That's what I've heard. And that's another name for the Yips too. And I love, one thing I really love about what she did was she took a break. Mm -hmm. She said, I'm not going to continue participating. Um, she didn't stay afterwards and continue, you know, putting her body through the, the different pre-routines or pre-performance routines that she has. Um, and, you know, she, she tried to use her voice to normalize and, and kind of bring light to the fact that this isn't something that she's not, she's not the only one who's experienced it in, in her sport um, and won't be the last to either. What do you, what was your understanding of, I mean, did you watch that? Did you see Yeah, it? I'm not recalling all of it right now, mm -hmm. but I'm familiar and I did. Uh, but I think what I appreciated was it represented a bit of a level setting because she's back now, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And she's, oh, sure. she's mm -hmm. a champion on all kinds of levels, personal and professional, killing right? It. And she's killing it, right? And, you know, there is that acknowledgement of, hey, there's something here, right? And I need to admit, whether it be sports psych or just a time time away, like burnout playing in and distracting, right, yeah. and that kind of thing. So I appreciated the level set, and I think it's in the show, too, on a lot of different levels, um, where, where are, where's level setting happening, right? Like, mm -hmm. hey, well, let's just simplify this. It's just this, yeah. right? And even that is a little dangerous, too, because you can oversimplify, too, and then we're mm -hmm. too calm, right? But I think I did appreciate that, hey, I looked at it kind of like a level set. She took a break. Um, twisties, yips, whatever you want to go with. Um, I think they're all a marriage of I'm performing individual and team in gymnastics. You're doing an individual with all eyes on you alone. Mm -hmm. And it's pressure. for the whole team. And there we're yeah. back to the goal kick, right? Mm -hmm. of, I'm alone. Mm -hmm. We're no longer yeah. passing it. We're alone here. Yeah, right. But the whole team's impacted by what happens right. here, right. right? And so I think those moments are, are just high level, right? And that's why they're Olympics. And that's why they're on mm -hmm. the grand stage of they've been able to manage it their whole life. And I think it probably did a lot for athletes across the globe to see, well, we, this isn't just me, right? Yeah. The, the best in the, of the mm -hmm. best. And so I appreciate it from that side for sure. Yeah. And, and what's so fascinating is, you know, she'd been under high pressure competitive mm -hmm. situations and I, it's almost mm -hmm. like she just hit a breaking point. Mm -hmm. Was there mm -hmm. just like something that mm -hmm. you get to a place where your brain just can't mm -hmm. compartmentalize anymore mm -hmm. or it can't, the right. stuff you were using, the self-talk or whatever, the skills you were using to not be overwhelmed by that. Yeah. It's almost like to, to perform at that level, you, you can't be truly aware of everything that's happening. Because if you were fully aware of the stage that you're on, of the number of people watching you, of what's at stake, right. of the mm -hmm. careers and the money and whatever all involved, depending on yeah. the sport you're playing, yeah. if you were fully taking all of that in, I don't think most of us mm -hmm could then like play the game well. Yeah. So there's gotta be some, I've gotta think some of this is being able to compartmentalize that and mm -hmm. then what is part of what happens is you just can't anymore. Sure. I don't know, is there just, mm -hmm. it, it just gets to be too much? I mean, what, yeah. how, what would be a theory as to why someone like Simone Biles or, or other professional athletes can perform under pressure for so long and then suddenly can't? Yeah. I mean, are there things that you, you know about that can well, and like, it may be, yeah, I'm sure there are things I can't call terms and I haven't spent time in the sports mm -hmm. psych world as often as I could do it, whatever. But what I would say is like, there, there's an elemental, sorry, there's an element of mm -hmm. um, normalization there too, right? Of, 
Mm. You know, even nowadays, if you watch any sport, uh, maybe the NBA, just because I just saw the other night, right? Like, there's just guys taking the night off, right? They're, right. They're, it's not that they have to or that there's something mm -hmm. wrong, but like maybe there's some execution um, that's been teased out of rest is, is an is a indicator mm -hmm. for longe longevity too, yeah. right? Okay. Especially now when sports are year-round, yeah. right? And, and, and your body needs Spinal more resources. tests, right? Yeah. And so that's more than ever before when we were in the 90s and 80s or whatever it is, the sports still had seasons yes. there, and nowadays there's just new elements that factor in, and so maybe, right? So that's interesting. So do you think in your, if you had to guess, mm -hmm. Do you think that with kids, I mean, and kids are just under more pressure now, right? Sports mm -hmm. are year-round. They get high, they're, they're highly competitive by the time. And I had a client tell me that their kid had been recruited to play on a on an elite traveling flag football team, and this child was five. Mm -hmm. And so when we have kids being recruited to play on elite teams that are year-round, starting in kindergarten, yeah. Are we going to see an increase in this sort of thing, where the pressure starts young? It's it's year round. There's no necessary necessarily a break from it. The stakes get high ridiculously early yeah. in their lives. Are we going to maybe see more of that then, mm. where they just burn out? They just right. get the it gets to them. They can't. I think cope with I the know, stress. I'll public image is so high for sure. at an early age, and you're supposed to maintain it in every single um, high stakes scenario. And if you don't, people conclude that. That's once you deviate from what you're expected to perform. I mean that that's not really fair for the athlete, but it's up to the athlete to be able to decide. You know, you know what are my actual um, standards and expectations, and if I don't meet those, can I you know have supports in my life, resources um, that don't just involve my identity being wrapped up in being an athlete. And but there's also that feeling of like I want to make everyone proud and. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's how I get my my love from people, right? Trying to make dad and mom, which raises the stakes even more, yeah. right? That's an additional mm -hmm. layer of pressure. Yeah. So it's up to the adults to realize, like, encourage them to excel and, and try to, you know, the coaches, the parents, um, who who are equally invested in their development as athletes, and and hopefully, you know, they they get a chance to decide what, what kind of path they want to take yeah. at some point. That's my bias, yeah. of course, but. Um, I, I wanted to be an NFL player. I wanted to yeah. um, kick, you know, penalty kicks, and then I don't know if it would be for the U.S. team. But um, <laughs> so there's there's always dreams, but um, putting in perspective, like there's there's multiple commitments that they can pursue. Keeps them grounded from yeah. obsessing about a certain outcome. You know, I have to always be doing um, and performing at a high level. Yeah. So and you're a coach, so yeah. Scott, for yeah. hockey, right? Yeah. Do you, what do you notice with kids? How old are the kids that you coach? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, right now they're eighth and ninth grade, so they're in that high school, going mm -hmm. through puberty, heavy. You don't talk to them like Roy talks, like, Ooh. Yeah, right. No, if you're swearing at them. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, so there's a, a couple of things I'm thinking about on your question about starting early, right, is mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the, the stress can be parent brought, right, because they're maybe talking to athletes throughout whatever age range it is, and they're, they're coaching, 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 because it's how they feel, right? So we're back mm. to, it's not how you feel, it's how the player feels, right? Mm. So they're coaching and doing a lot of analysis with parent eye, and coaches do the same thing with coaching eyes, and it tends to be, most often I should say, I don't know what percentage, but it's often what that adult's or that coach's 
perspective is. It's what they feel is coming in the conversation. So now it's pedestalized. Whatever it is, the errors or the successes, it, it's sort of under this spotlight. And a lot of players can absolutely handle that, but I, I don't know that the majority, I think that you know, it just elevates the, the stress a little yeah. bit, right? Then when it comes to peak performers, I, I think certainly at this age, you, it's shaking out who is and who isn't, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's still time, don't get me wrong, but there's just kids that they just don't get frazzled by it, right? Yeah. They're just wired that so way. So there's just right? something about temperament too. Yeah. That yeah. And you can develop that, you know, that resilience and that strength and that tenacity. Yeah, tenacity, right? Yeah. Um, those are the ones that yeah. get the rewards from the coach. And Absolutely. I get chosen yeah. by the A team versus the B yeah. team. And so you, you do develop a sense of confidence and that confidence yeah. doesn't get easily shaken yeah. over time um, until you meet a coach who, mm-hmm. you know, it actually cares about who you are beyond, yeah. you know, Ted, what you do for them. Ted, Ted does that, right? Like, I think he does a great job of the quintessential coach. It right? goes back to a conversation we had on this, in this basement not long ago about, like, the positivity side of it. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of where I was, Terry, like, stuck yeah. is what we're talking about here. He absolutely feels the loss and anger when it comes to the sports side of it. I know there's other tentacles to it, but I love it that there's this, but you feel dejected i got to figure out how to make you feel like comfortable mm-hmm. here and yeah, not part alone, of something not alone right and you know what i mean so i think that i really like that side totally of it so. so is his coaching style would you say is there um is there a philosophy behind is this a type of like mm-hmm. identified type of coaching that he embodies or is this really like is he going off script here he's as like, a coach he's like a carl rogers mixed with dumbledore <laughs> and a little bit of like the um no, but seriously, is he, that, he is does. Is that an official he does style? Have a hu- Dumbledore coaching. I would say he's like definitely more humanistic and um, positive psychology vibes. Yeah. You know, like always trying to um, send the message that I care more about who you are mm-hmm. as a person than and what is it that is you do for me. intentional? Is that something that coaches? Yeah, to make that? them the best version of themselves, you yeah. have to actually is that believe a known in thing? them. Yeah, I think it, so. It's a practice. It right? is a practice. So there yeah. are coaches who intentionally choose to be more yeah. like. Because we never see those coaches. There's no exactly. correlation there, though. Between the, there is maybe a correlation between the size of coaches and those who win a lot. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if winning is number one, um, you can still be hard-headed and mm-hmm. you know get off on punishing your athletes and mm-hmm. trying to be the dominant force in, in their lives. But um, that's the kind of coach I had growing up in high school, and, and we did win a lot. Yeah. Because he he knew um, how to pick his favorite players and build a team around them and. But I can guarantee right now the things that he said to me um, stick, st- stay with me right. that were really negatively impactful yeah. on my, my identity too. And right. So those styles can can result in perf- in uh, winning or peak performance, mm-hmm. but they're but the cost to the players maybe is different. Yeah. Was there like a so here's my my sports knowledge is minimal, but wasn't there a, was it a Lakers coach who was Bill known Jackson? for being like really. Mm-hmm positive yeah. and yeah. about the health of the players. He's super cerebral yeah. and very naturalistic. Until but he was kind of, I felt yeah. like he was considered to be kind of an outlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the ones we knew about were the ones who were like throwing the chairs yeah, right. on the sidelines. Bob Knight, yeah. Bob Knight, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, not, and then so this yeah. guy, Jack, Phil yeah. Jackson, that Phil was, Jackson yeah. was kind of this like, ooh, mm-hmm. what's he doing? Because this Kobe is Bryan, different. Is he yeah, like right? teaching his... Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Tough, yeah. Easy to be relaxed with those performers. Well, and remember too here, it's kind of like choosing school too, right? Or, mm-hmm. or where you go to an institution or, you know, whatever. It's sort of like, I really am drawn to, because there yeah. are those people mm-hmm. who are like, I need that. 
Like, yeah. I need someone to yell at me. I need, right? And I know that sounds goofy, yeah. right? But there's some of that are just like... Tough love. Right. And they're just like, yeah. that's where I, that's where that's I'm at. Like, I really me. like that piece. Mm -hmm. They're going to hold me in line and hold me mm -hmm. accountable. And I like right. that, right? And then there's others that, you know, maybe are jumping around. And, you know, I think about, like, you know, some coaches that do that, right? And then there's the middle, right? And it's sort of, it is that where, what, what, what brings me in? And it's kind of nice to know that it both exists, right? To say, yes. like, there's a place for everybody. If you are really ultra competitive and you need that coach who's going to feel that with you, then yeah. that's, you've got those options, right? Mm -hmm. And if you need someone who's just going to sort of be there with you and, you know, there's those options too. But yeah. there's certainly theories behind for sure. I know, I know Ted's a fictional character, but um, that's one thing that was one of his strengths was that he knew how to um, mm -hmm. utilize the strengths of other coaches. Um, and so he pulled in Roy, oh, he pulled sure. in Nate, right. and, and Roy was able to speak to Isaac and Roy, reach who him. took that more like mm -hmm. kind yeah. of you know, mm -hmm. keeping so, in line, nobody. Yeah. So he had an accurate assessment of himself as a coach yeah. and what he can can do to reach his players. But um, the the point that you made about having, I think we call that like empathy or mm -hmm. capacity to be yeah. adaptive and yeah. in terms of understanding like what moves and drives and touches a player. And mm -hmm. um, and I, I definitely needed someone to tell me what to do. And I still do. Yeah. yeah. And I still need someone to tell me how to finish my documentation. So, <laughs> fair. Uh, same. So, if if you've got a kid um, who's who wants to be an athlete and they're showing, showing uh, excuse me, showing some inclination towards athletics, mm -hmm. how do you, as a parent, help your kid understand what kind of coaching style they respond mm -hmm. best with? Like, I'm going back in that time machine and thinking, damn it, if I had just, mm -hmm. I wish somebody had like told me there are different ways of coaching that might work better for you so how, what can parents do if they've how do they know like how do you know what kind of style your kid is mm. is going to respond to or what do you do if you feel like there isn't a good match between your kid and their coach because no one wants to be yeah. not no one i don't want to be that parent who's blaming the coach for my kid's performance yeah. but i also would want if my kids were athletic i would want to connect them with a coach that wouldn't cause the kind of damage you and I are talking about, where we had the wrong coach for us. Yeah. At least I did. I'm not going to speak for you, but I definitely mm -hmm. did. And gotcha. it, it ended my, mm -hmm. you know, volleyball, yeah. totally. whatever that was going to be, definitely Took got cut fun. short. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you know? Like, what are some signs? Is it, is it if your kid is choking? Like, is that a good sign that maybe they've got the wrong match? If they were performing well and then they get this coach and now they're tanking? Mm -hmm. Or what else would you be looking for? Well, you sports... I can't answer you that just, question. You just don't have the coach volume, right? You kind of have who you have. Yeah. Right? And there's, you know, some places are blessed with lots of volunteers and it shakes itself out a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I think it's, again, what is the, how do you help someone persevere with the circumstance, right? That if they land on a coach who's just a little more serious, then just what can we do there, right? And, and what are the, the facets to, you know, to work through it? Um, I don't know if performance is always, I think that's an easy one for friends and family to kind of, is an indicator, like the yeah. coach is responsible for my kids being yeah, motivated. Yeah, and that's what and, I don't yeah. want it to become that either. Yeah. But if there is, yeah, if there right. can be, yeah. a, a, an, if, if it's important to have the right kind of style of coaching mm -hmm. to really bring out your abilities yeah. the mm -hmm. best yeah. Yeah. and help you understand with, when you make mistakes, understand yeah. it in a helpful way trying to find that balance, right? Again, you don't want it to be the coach's fault and you don't mm -hmm. want your kid to get like, or, or your college student or your young adult to get super discouraged mm -hmm. and think they, they've just lost their skill, they're just yeah. done because they can't play anymore when maybe there's more that they could be mm -hmm. doing that involves like mm -hmm. 
finding a different coach. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> just yeah. Teaching yeah the player, them how to the player is it. supposed to adapt to the coach. The coach, yeah. that's kind of one of the main stereotypes. And, right. Um, and so like, um, that's why it takes a really flexible coach who can model um, being a teacher, being a coach, being a parent, um, has those qualities of actually wanting to align by using their mannerism, their own skills, their own like tactics of reaching the player. And you can't sometimes, you can't reach every single parent mm -hmm. as a coach, it's, it's, it's impossible, right? And, and that's not the kind of pressure you wanna put on yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you it's do wanna show up, show up authentically mm -hmm. yeah. as yourself. And, and then if parents have questions, and they will, they'll ask you some really hard questions and they're maybe not. Or maybe this is where a therapist with that kind of experience comes in handy. Yeah. Maybe instead of trying to switch coaches, mm -hmm. you take your kid to a therapist who's experienced in this and can help them mm -hmm. understand in a healthy way their variations in how they're playing. Well, I think, Ted, if, we, if I were to tie it to it, you're hitting on it all and just triggering all these things, right? Yeah. And it's like maybe as a parent, if that's, since that's a question of, hey, Scott had this coach previously to the new coach and yeah. really thrived on this kind of feedback, right? And like allowing the coach to still be authentic and know. Right. So like, what do I do with what I know when I know it, right? Because there is a point of not knowing, but you start to know, right? And then it is left in the hands of the coach and being like, what will you do with that information? And if it comes to performance, then that should be a driver, right? If, if, if Scott needs me to do a little more of this, as a coach knowing that, now I'm on the hook, right? right. I, what am I gonna do with that information? And so. so what, are, what are the ages that you work with? So eighth and ninth grade now, so. So you have to explain to parents why their yeah. kids aren't starting sometimes. And All the time. And, <laughs> and then when you do, you're not trying to make them feel better or yeah. you're just trying to tell them how it is maybe. And, and this is about the team, right. which is maybe something Ted struggled with, which is, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, there's that element of loyalty to your athletes and that I wanna be able to give you opportunities to succeed, but um, I also have a job at the end of the day, which is to make a team here that has the, ch the chance to, to outperform other teams. And outside of this the field, we can have really great relationships. Is that, is that okay with you? And we'll define your role, mm -hmm. you know, on the team. Yeah. Um, and if your parents, parents may not want to hear that because they're like, but I, I had a history of being successful as an athlete or yeah. I'm spending all this we could money. Do, I mean, we could do a whole hour just on yeah. dealing with parents. Yeah. And that's a really vast <laughs> topic. It's, and it's a whole topic parents right just in and of it. itself. But <laughs> One, it fits. I think this yeah. is such a good topic because yeah. if there's a, a, a draw that can come out of Ted on this is yips is and performance is an everybody topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not just, yeah. it's, it's it, like it's a fine motor action, mm -hmm. job performance, speaking, right. music, theater. Right? It, mm -hmm. We can all relate to it. And so a little talk about it is like it makes more sense yeah. right? when you go, it's all the things. It's, it's interactive. It's, there's a, it's all the different facets in a person's life yeah. are going to come together mm -hmm. and affect how they show up at whatever they're doing, they're performing mm -hmm. at, job, sports, arts, whatever. Mm -hmm. All these things are going to come together. And the people that are, are giving them feedback mm -hmm. is going to go a long ways in help in mm -hmm. kind of determining yeah. where they go on that path, how they overcome yeah. those obstacles. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that, ding, ding, they're always therapists <laughs> they can go to yeah, too, right? who might be able to add to that um, mm -hmm. understanding and really help people understand it in a, in a workable, helpful way rather mm -hmm. than a I suck kind of yeah. way. Because I do think that's for perfectionist like myself it's really easy to go that direction yeah. so mm -hmm. um, I really boy I really appreciate this conversation Great. this has been so, like all of these I feel yeah. like I could talk for forever and I really mm -hmm. this one was 
I feel like I learned more in this one than I mm. than I uh, anticipated. So thank you guys thank both. You. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great. Have you back Thanks again so. sometime? Please. This episode of When Therapists Watch TV was produced by Ellie Mental Health. Miranda Barker is the managing producer. Jesse Stenbroughton is the technical director. Our production team also includes Julia Galloway, Lucas Mooney, and Two Fam. A special thanks to Lucas Fellini, Nick Seeger, and Mel Springer. I'm Dr. Terry Bly. Thanks for listening.